Hey everybody, welcome to episode 29 where I'm interviewing Rebecca Jensen. She's an accomplished sales and marketing professional who has leveraged networking to achieve great results. She has built strong relationships with clients across multiple industries with her win-win approach. Rebecca believes in cooperation as opposed to competition and lives by the motto, how you do anything is how you do everything. She has been working in real estate full-time since 2014, and she organizes two local meetups in Utah with her partner, Jeff Rappaport, and created her own mastermind group for women called WIN, which stands for Women Investing Now. Rebecca and Jeff invest all over the country in single-family, multifamily, storage units, apartments, mobile home parks, and even land on occasion. Please uh, listen to this episode. I even learned a few great nuggets of wisdom myself, and I hope you enjoy Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening. All right. Hey, Rebecca, thank you for taking the time this evening uh, to chat. Uh, If you could, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Anthony, I'm really excited to be on your podcast. I love it. I think it's amazing. And I'm all about mindset. So great job and congratulations on all your accomplishments. Thank you. So my name is Rebecca Jensen. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I actually grew up on a working cattle ranch in northern Utah, about two hours north of Salt Lake City, Utah, by the Idaho border. And I left um, Utah and started traveling and was a flight attendant for many years and lived all over the country. And I came back to Utah about nine years ago and did some various jobs and have been doing real estate full-time now for almost six years. I have a 15-year-old daughter, a couple of dogs. I have an amazing team of real estate investors and I had no prior knowledge of real estate when I started six years ago. And so I'm happy to share my journey with you guys. And so uh, I guess my first question would be is uh, what made you, what, how did you get exposed to uh, real estate? So again, no prior knowledge of real estate. I had, you know, owned a couple of homes in my lifetime, but I was working for corporate America and I went on a major medical leave and the day I got back, I was fired. (laughs) So I was seeing Jeff at the time, Jeff is my partner, and he had just gotten back into real estate. He started in real estate in 2000. And in 2008, with the crash, he lost everything. And when we met, we were both in kind of like transition mode, but I was fired from that job. And he said, just come work with me. I'll teach you what I know. And I had this folder that said unemployment and I crossed that out and I said opportunity and so I've never looked back (laughs) I like that yeah I I think that's a great mindset to have because um (laughs) especially in this time right COVID a lot of people have been getting laid off or reduced hours and instead of having the unemployment attitude have the opportunity yes I have spent COVID we transitioned completely after the whole COVID and the lockdown and we started doing different things because if you don't adapt, then you're, you're in trouble. 
And it's been a nice opportunity to also learn other skills and uh, be a part of podcasts and things like that. So I think that what you make of a situation and how you deal with it determines your outcome. Yeah. And so, oh man. So this is interesting because <laughs> you're the first, you're the first person that I got to, I, I've had a chance to interview that would had to leap, you know, into real estate and made yes. it work. A lot of people talk about, Hey, you know, I was I had my day job and then I transitioned over or for some people they were already into it. Their, fa- uh, their father, or uh or somebody in their family was already doing construction right and and then they um they say hey i just fell into it and so uh, right what what was your first deal (laughs) so i believe that so i've always been a wholesaler and i've always done it virtually so i've known nothing different so we can talk a little bit about um wholesaling and what that means if you would like but um i again, had no prior knowledge. And so I, I think that was an advantage to me because I was just like a sponge. I just did what he asked me to do. And so I started just cold calling sellers and keeping track of systems and adding buyers to my software. And I have learned a lot on, on the way. And obviously I'm learning something every single day. Um, Real estate is ever changing. And so we have always done things virtually. So I do a lot of deals outside of Salt Lake City. In fact, I don't have one deal right now in Utah. <laughs> so I have a few in Tennessee. I have one in South Carolina. I just closed on one in Wisconsin. And when COVID hit, we transitioned into storage unit facilities because storage units are easy to show. There's no tenant. So that was um, a segue to uh, learn about storage units and more commercial and bigger deals. Yes. Yes. So, okay. So I got two questions. I'll, I'll talk okay. about the, cause I also know that you, you did mobile homes as well. I have done a couple of mobile home parks. Yes. And so uh, the first thing is uh, when it comes to wholesaling, uh, how are you, how are you getting your, uh, your leads? My, leads are very organic. Um, We do very little marketing, actually. Uh, A lot of it is relationship building. So we have a partner that brings us leads for the storage unit facilities. And then I have a full-time guy that just from dawn to dusk calls and builds relationships with mortgage brokers, agents, realtors, and sellers and he generates those leads and then my partner puts together the offers and then once we get a property under contract then I am in charge of putting out the marketing piece and then finding a buyer for that property. Awesome and then a cool thing is well technology right so you started this you started in 2008. Correct. And then, well, no, was, I didn't start in 2008. So in 2008, Jeff Rappaport, he lost everything in real estate yeah. in a crash. And so seven years ago about, he started back into Oh, yeah, so 13. So so he, yeah. yeah, so he started our company that we have now. It's called We Offer Options because our specialty is creative financing. Mm-hmm. So uh, he actually has a podcast called the creative financing podcast.com. So that's interesting. Check that out. But um, yes, so he had only been back in real estate just a very short period of time when I lost my job and he said, come work for me. And so that's what I did. And so it was just the two of us, but now we have a full team. So what do you do different from when you first started uh, wholesaling to now? Are you, have you been able to make it more passive? Uh, could you, could you kind of break that down to me, please? Well, it's not actually more passive, but our systems are a lot better. So when there's only two of you, you're doing everything. You're having to deal with lead generation, pre-screening sellers, and then putting the offers together. Once they're there, finding the buyer, then 
it goes to a transaction court. I mean, it's, you have to do everything. Now we have an amazing team. We have a couple of acquisition managers um, that put the offers to the sellers and get them under contract. And then once we, I find a buyer, then I have a transaction coordinator that handles all of the assignments and all of the closings, like coordinates with the seller, the buyer, the title company, which is obviously one of the hardest parts of wholesaling is just coordinating all of that and getting all of those moving parts together. How does the relationship between, uh, with the acquisition coordinator and, and you and Jeff work? Uh, does the acquisition coordinator only get paid when you make a sale? Correct. He's on commission only. They are on commission only. Yes. Okay. And then we do pay a salary to our transaction coordinator, and then he gets a bonus for each transaction that we close. And then we have a couple of virtual assistants. So I have one in the Philippines and she's our lead manager and she gets an hourly rate and we try to give her bonuses every so often. And then we have another virtual assistant that is actually my transaction coordinator's brother. He's in, so Diana is our lead manager. She is in the Philippines. And then Mohammed is our transaction coordinator. And he came from Iraq. He actually worked for the U.S. Army and immigrated here from Iraq and with two young children, and he wanted to learn real estate. So he apprenticed under us. And so he's been working for us for full-time for four years. And then his wife, Sarah, she also helps us with marketing and she has helped me immensely with building my buyer's list. And then Muhammad's brother helps us with our marketing. So we have an amazing team and our one acquisition manager, he was also an apprentice under us, wanted to learn real estate. And we just hired another apprentice that um, was under our apprenticeship program. So that's pretty fun to see yeah, yeah, yeah. people that, <laughs> that like Mohammed didn't even speak English really and didn't even know what a mortgage was and um, was working a full-time job and had two young children and a wife and didn't even have a car, had to commute. And now he's with us full time and he's amazing. Yeah, so making it work. He, yeah. He made, he made it work coming over. Well, that's, that was his motto, make it happen. So that's what he did. He did whatever it took because he knew that this is what he wanted to do. So, and so I'm a, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're um, fine. Uh, so I, I recently kind of dabbled in the wholesaling. Okay. Um, a couple months ago, okay. built, about two, built only about 250 leads in my area. And what I, out of the 250 leads, I got like two that was interested in one that actually was doing a deal with me. I think the, the split was going to be like five grand, but it ended up falling through. Uh, but for me, I've looked at a lot of YouTube videos, people having you know, acquisition manager, transaction manager, lead manager in the Philippines. And at what point do you get to that? Can you start off like that and it's okay? Or is there a certain level you need to get at before, okay, I need to start building a team like that? Well, for Jeff and I, we didn't have any money. We started with nothing. So we didn't have money to hire anyone or anyone, or and we didn't have money for marketing. So we had to actually just go out there and put in the work. I was cold calling. He was putting in the offers. I was finding the buyers. He was, you know, dealing with all the closings. So I think that, first of all, you have to realize if you really want to do wholesaling, because people think that it's such an easy thing to get into real estate. Oh, well, I'll make some quick cash and then I'll start buying properties that I can buy and hold. I can be completely hands off. And I have a lot of mentors that I've worked with that I've, you know, trained with, and they're pretty much hands off, you know, business owners. And that is our end goal is we want to work more on the business than in the business. Yeah. But as you know, there's ebbs and flows. And once you get that momentum, 
you know, something might happen and then you're like, oh, I got to start over again or I got to push this or I got to change this. Maybe my offers aren't working. I can't find a buyer, et cetera. So I guess it just depends on when you start out. I don't think that you need a whole team. I think that you can, um, you should find a mentor for sure to learn the correct and ethical way to wholesale and partner with people if you can and learn properly. And then you can decide, okay, now maybe it's time to hire someone to handle all my incoming calls and to mm -hmm. pre-screen those sellers and then et cetera, then build on that. So with your leads manager, does she have like a script? And as soon as she gets to the point where now it looks like the seller wants to buy, uh, sell, then that's when y'all take over? Correct. So we had a company actually hire her. So she kind of knew the, the ins and outs of real estate, but not that much. So we, Muhammad and I spent like a couple of weeks just a couple hours a day recording videos, role-playing with her. And then we just let her loose and uh, she's been great. And so yes, scripts, recordings. She does a lot of the busy work that I don't wanna do with building the buyer's list as well. So we give her enough work that she's busy, you know, basically eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. And so she's I mean, up in the middle of the night because, you know, Philippines yes. is like 16 yes. hours difference. Yes. And we went through a couple of VAs to get to a good one okay. because yeah. a lot of VAs, they don't want to work when we, when we're working, they want to be asleep Yeah, <laughs> and I don't blame them. I, I mean, I'm a night person, but wow, it would be hard, you know, but her husband as well as and on that schedule too. So I think that makes it easy. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And I That's think awesome. a lot of, I think a lot of people in the Philippines, they're kind of on that schedule because they work for a lot of Americans. Yeah. Cause uh, you're like the fifth person I've talked to when it comes to leads that, mm -hmm. that um, they handle it. Uh, their team is in the Philippines and they're able to, it's like rapid fire and I've seen it, it scale their business. Uh, a lot it of people do tremendously. Say, yeah. I can imagine because I, I do, I do hear a lot, hey, if, for those that don't have the money to buy and hold and do commercial real estate, start in wholesaling. And I mean, obviously you need money to start anything, uh, but I have heard a lot, hey, look, if you want to kind of get the money going, uh, wholesaling is probably the way to go. Because door knocking, I mean, outside of gas, that's pretty free. Uh, calling for <laughs> sell by owners, calling yeah. tired landlords, people that have rentals that are trying to get their property rented, see if they want to sell um handwritten postcards that cost you like 15 cents mm -hmm. <laughs> you know just it's uh you just got to keep going and follow and, uh, and it's a lot of kudos to, because one thing that i had to get used to and i know a lot of people get over have to get over is rejection talking Ooh. to somebody and trying to persuade them to sell this 100 200 dollars in seven minutes or so hopefully that you know it'll keep going the conversation will keep going but yeah it's 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 a lot of pressure at least for me it was <laughs> i'm like stuttering and like trying to make sure i say the right words i don't want to be offensive uh right well and as i tell anybody that's new you just gotta you just gotta practice it just takes practice i mean every once in a while i'll get a seller lead and i'll have to call them because i place like random ads on like classified websites here where I am and Craigslist ads and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And somebody will call me and I'll be like, Oh, I forgot what to say. But you know what? I think that if you have the attitude that you really truly believe that you can help someone that they are going to feel that if you don't try to force rapport, you're just real and you're upfront and honest with them that they'll be more receptive and those no's don't sting as much. But as my job as a disposition manager, that's what I do deal with all the buyers. I would mm -hmm. much rather deal with a seller than a buyer. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, buyers are difficult. <laughs> they want, want, and they want to negotiate just to negotiate. This is true. This is true. Yeah. And so uh, can you tell us a little bit about um, about the uh, storage units facilities? Not sure. a lot of people talk about that at all, uh, but that is a form of commercial real estate. Uh, how'd you get into that? Uh, can you give us an example how much it costs to kind of get into that and how the cash flow works? I mean, my, my partner took like a course from the partner that we have now. And then they just built like a relationship and um, my partner, Jeff said, you know, I want to help you when you get these properties under contract, I want to help you sell them and we'll do a split. So, or they've worked out whatever they work out as far as like the joint venture of how they get paid and all that. But um, that is how we got into it. And so again, when COVID hit, that was something that sustained us because you don't have to have tenants involved to show the property. So I think we've sold about a half a dozen this since March and I'm working on one now and I have another one to send out next month. So, and they are a different ball game for sure. Yeah. You have to work off of square footage and rent rolls and how much they're occupied and um, different size units get different amounts of money. And most of the storage units that I have sold, they're all underperforming. They haven't been managed well. And so there's value add. And that's what we try to sell them on is what it could be if it were all managed properly, all filled and receiving, you know, that constant income. But there are really great ways that you can automate that all. There's software, there's companies that will do your website, do your marketing, collect your rents, and then you just collect that mailbox money every month. So most of my investors that have purchase storage unit facilities from me, they have not lived in the city that the storage units are in. So they're hands off, hands off owners. Well, yeah, because um, I guess outside of employees. You don't really need them unless you have. Light bulbs. Yeah, you, yeah, you can, yeah, have that all on that automated. And some of them, they just hire somebody to like FaceTime with them to like walk the property and see the condition and things like that. So they didn't even have to travel to, you know, do an inspection. How much are storage facilities, what's the, you know, if you can give me a ballpark number, how much are storage facilities usually run for when you, when you wholesale them? So right now I'm selling 39 units for 235,000. Um, I am not the numbers girl and, <laughs> and there's been a lot, so it's quite a spread. And I could, I, if you want me to, I can pull up my like whiteboard to kind of show you, but we have sold some, you know, over a million dollars too. So we actually did a video on how to evaluate storage units. So that could be for another podcast or you can, I can email it to you guys and you can take a look at that. Yeah, we'll for put anybody the link in the else. description. Yeah. Yeah, so anybody that listens to that, if you email me, it, or is listening if you email me i'm happy to send that video to that'd you that'd be awesome because um you know you telling me 239,000 for 39 units that's not so intimidating uh because when i think of a storage unit facility i'm thinking millions of dollars sure which I'm sure it can be yes yes but that's that doesn't sound too bad yeah and you can go on like LoopNet or crexy or Collier's, um, they all sell storage units. So that could give you an idea of like the price range, but yeah, they can range from, you know, in the hundred thousands to in the millions for sure. And, you know, another thing that's been great about the storage units too, is because of COVID people have been 
out there buying boats and trailers and RVs and campers and all of that. And where are they going to put them? They're going to put them in storage unit facilities and have to store them there because a lot of people don't have room in their yards and a garage or an RV pad. So there is an opportunity for that as well. Did not think yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, That's something that would be a, a need in the middle of COVID is storage yeah. facilities. Yeah, and if people have to downsize in a recession, do they get rid of their treasures? No, they normally put them in storage, and normally those are junk. <laughs> you know, normally it's just junk. But um, I know a guy that invests in storage units, and he also owns pawn shops. So when people don't pay, he cleans out those storage units and puts them in, puts their items in pawn shops. That's a great. Uh, that's a second business yeah. than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. I wonder if he would he started first. I wonder if he started the storage units and then he realized he had so much junk. He was like, let me just make a pawn shop. Yeah, I don't know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just brought up a good uh, idea that I didn't think. You know, because one thing about real estate, as we as we've seen this past year, it's still doing well. But yes. what I've noticed is people are afraid about you know it dipping down. But what I've noticed is it is it just a transition in just needs. Uh, Correct. Uh, I had talked to a real estate agent who does real estate in New York, and it didn't in the inner city. The real estate, you know, people are moving out, right? So real right. estate's not doing so well. But the real estate outside of the city is doing great so it's just a trans it's just a shift of power and need based on what's going on in the world real estate is still real estate and because people need a place to stay and right. or store or storage like you said so yeah. uh talking to y'all is giving me a, a great perspective of okay recession or covid doesn't mean oh you know real estate is going to go down it just means okay what is what what are people going to need and how does real estate fit in so yes. how do I need to change my, my strategy? Right. React or adapt. Yes. <laughs> I like your sayings. <laughs> I have a lot of them. I don't know why. <laughs> and so you also said that y'all do uh, mobile parks, mobile parks or mobile homes. You do, you, you wholesale complete parks. Yes. So I haven't done a huge one, smaller ones. And I am not a, an expert on mobile home parks at all. They have to be priced right. And I know a lot of investors that love them, but there are lots of um, moving parts, if you will, intricacies, uh, the age of the mobile homes, the area, the, there's a lot to, to those. And I haven't done too many of those. So I would not be the best expert to ask about that. I thought it's pretty huge because uh I, I i intend to and i just wrote a blog about it on our website uh, about how mobile homes is like a great way for cash flow it's very you know i could buy one for like ten thousand dollars and probably make five hundred dollars in cash flow which is a lot easier and more than most single family homes would probably provide me or sure. even multifamily. and so yes. um for people that are trying to get out of their job let's say i want to get my job today you know, I could buy me, I could buy me 10 mobile home, 10, 10,000 mobile homes a lot faster than a hundred thousand dollar probably duplex, which probably needs work. Right. Um, so I yeah. think, uh, go ahead. Yeah. And I mean, in a market like mine, I, like I'm in a very, very hot, expensive market. So um, we did a lot of business in Idaho, which I don't know if you realize that like Idaho is like, has the four fastest growing cities in the nation. Did not know <laughs> it's that. It's crazy. So when I was first, when I first started in real estate, you know, I could get a duplex in this little town called Pocatello, Idaho for like 80,000. And now that's like up 40%. It's just crazy how on fire that market. I have to look into that because you don't. I don't hear about Idaho at all. I mean, you know, there's no sports <laughs> they teams there's out a there. They don't want you to know. <laughs> but because of that, the real estate. It's because it's just you know they they're very they want their own little 
city. They don't want in- outsiders coming in. So. Oh, wow. That's how Idaho works. <laughs> yeah, kind of. No, they're great. I mean, I've done a lot of business up there, but most of my buyers that have bought from me up there are local to Utah because they could get properties a lot less money than here, like investment properties, rentals, and et cetera. So. I want to look into that. I've never been to the state. I've never been uh, north of Nevada. Okay. Well, it's really pretty here and really cold. <laughs> I've been wanting to go to Salt Lake City. Yeah, it's a really nice city, but it's very expensive. Now, I've heard like Denver, yes. um, Salt Lake. I'm, I'm hearing that that area over there, it's starting to really get high. Uh, maybe closer to California almost. Yes, a lot of people are moving into Idaho and Utah from California because they can buy, you know, a mansion here for what they have. In <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it's I heard still, that a lot. Yeah, it's still I heard that a lot too. For, yeah, um, from Arizona as well. They they go down to Arizona as well. New Mexico is New Mexico got a sleeping giant in it as well because I know I just drive through New Mexico and it's just nothing but uh desert but uh new mexico's a sleeping giant as well i think so i one of the biggest wholesalers from utah here he he does a lot of business in albuquerque new mexico really lots of wholesaling there yeah i bet you know at least 50 percent of his business is in new mexico i have to check out albuquerque then uh because yeah. i remember driving through there i've driven through there like four or five times and i'm just like who lives out here uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a very interesting place but albuquerque is a great city I think interesting it what put them on the map was breaking bad you know that ah. <laughs> i've only you know i've only heard of albuquerque uh in bugs bunny episodes oh okay yeah. Until I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Break It Bad as well. Yeah. yeah. There's some really pretty places there. I'll have to definitely and I check lived that out in because- Arizona and I lived in Tucson, Arizona for almost 10 years and I love it there. So I love Tucson. Yeah. Tucson's awesome. Yeah. It's only a couple hours away from Phoenix. Yes. Um, yeah. You're not too far from, you're like right on the border, actually. Yeah. Tucson. About an hour and a half to Nogales. And there's good real estate over there too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That affordable too. Uh, nice homes for not that not that expensive at all. Correct. Yeah. It's great. And so you also talk about um, you do uh, win, women investing now. So yeah. I, I like that. I, like that. Um, I, had a, I had another person I interviewed where she had a, a, a similar group as well. And I noticed that the most of the real estate, you know, investing uh, world, especially from what we can see, right. Whether it's on the podcast yes. and YouTube, it's mostly men. Correct. And, <laughs> you know, very few women, you know, or if they do do it, they're not vocal about it. And so I noticed this rise in women getting very involved and very mm-hmm. vocal about what they do. Uh, so right. can you please just uh, tell, tell us a little bit more about when. I will. So when I started in real estate, Jeff would send me to all of these mastermind groups. And so I would be in this room with like 30 men and I was like the only female. And I was like, this is crazy. Or I would go to the local real estate investors association meetings. And there was like just a handful of women. And so I was like, I need more women in my life. And so I just started talking to you know the ones that I would see all the time and I said I want to form a group and I want to get together and I want to create a real mastermind where we support each other and help each other so I started that um it's going on almost five years and our motto is women investing in themselves women investing in each other women investing in the community and women investing in real estate So there's a, it's a very small group and Mm -hmm. one way or the other, we all are involved in real estate. We have a, you know, title and escrow officer. We have somebody that lends hard money. We have some agents, we have some flippers, uh, some buy and hold investors, but we just get together every month and we talk about 
you know, our haves, what we can give each other, what we need from each other. So if somebody needs a contractor, a plumber, whatever, hard money or just mm -hmm. a support group. And then we really want to give back to the community. So every December we do a service project and we usually bring donations in for the youth homeless shelter here in Salt Lake City. So I have really enjoyed um, being a part of that. And I encourage all women to do invest in themselves, number one, because if you're not taking care of yourself then you can't take care of your family, et cetera. So I think it's really nice to have like-minded people in your circle. We all have the same goals. We all have a vision where we're all pretty positive. I didn't want it to be like a support group, so to speak. I wanted it to be more of a motivation and empowerment group. And an action group. So y'all take action. Yeah, Let's just action. talk about it. Yeah. And we hold each other accountable. Like um, when COVID hit, I had right before that, I had everybody do like a 90 day goal and vision plan, like what they wanted to ha see happen in 90 days. And then I mailed it to them. I had them write it all out, put it in an envelope. And then I mailed it to them 90 days later and they'd forgotten. Oh my gosh. I forgot that I had that goal, but Oh, I've done this, this, and that. So this is what I'm going to work on. So, and we do books too, you know, things that we're interested in and then discuss that. And we do vision boards. I see <laughs> that. I was looking at it behind you. <laughs> yeah. Every time we do that. So, cause you got to envision what you want in life, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, do y'all, I'm sorry if I missed it, but y'all all local or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's just a small group. And there are other groups that um, I'm a part of. There's the real um, women investor group. I, there's a there's several of them that are like on Facebook that are great communities as well. But mine's just mm -hmm. a local group. And then I run, I run a wholesale meetup that's just local. We've been having to do it virtual. And then we do a Utah investor meetup too. So I believe that network is your net worth. <laughs> People do business with who they like, know, and trust. And so that's one way to um, create some account, like credibility for yourself. And so I love the networking part of real estate and the relationships that come with it. Cause I really believe that it's a relationship business. Yes, I, it's a people, definitely a people yeah. business because, um, and that's something I need to task myself in doing better by um, before the end of the year or next year where I really, uh, I've been meeting people through, you know, Zoom, uh, but yeah. they, they do, they do meetups uh, through Zoom now. Yeah. And, uh, and then once COVID lightens up, you know, start physically going to these meetings because that's really what it is. Um, there's just some doors that you just won't have, you know, open to you unless you met particular people. Right. Um, and that's what I've definitely realized because I'm the type of person I like to push, push, push and, and do as much as I can on my own. But then even I have my threshold. I'm like, OK, I can't. This is this is all the knowledge I have. This is all the resources I have. I'm kind of stuck here. And but right. that's where somebody else comes in. It's like, hey, bro, I actually have this opportunity. We could do this for each other. And then you continue to grow, grow, grow. And you're not just stuck at what your capabilities are. Correct. Yeah, it's very important. Yep. And I see you've, I see you've, you've surrounded yourself around people that have those different resources for you to continuously, okay, here, here, here. And obviously you as a wholesaler, you know, uh, cool thing about wholesaling, you can kind of turn anything into any deal. Like I have, yeah. I have a real estate, you want a wholesaler, you want to flip it, you know, what do you want to do with it? I have, I have the lead, you know? Yeah. yeah. And we do a ton of creative um, deals. So um, that is a niche that I think most people miss. They think that they can only do like a cash offer, but our letter of intent always has some type of seller finance offer in there or lease option or whatever you want to call that terms, like some mm -hmm. type of terms. Will you take terms? Every single seller that we ask or that we talk to, we always ask them if they were open to looking at a terms offer. And can you explain what a term offer is, please? 
So again, it would be something like seller financing where mm -hmm. I'll just give you a, a simple um, answer. So we, about three years ago, there was a home that was for rent and Muhammad mm -hmm. called on that lead and asked the seller if he would be willing to carry his equity for a short period of time, basically. So he had quite a bit of equity in the home. And so while we remodeled the home, fixed it up and so forth, he just, we just gave him payments each month. So he was cash flowing and then he didn't have the tax consequences of a full payout because it was in a high-end neighborhood. And we actually have been using that money over and over and over again. The so equity? He, yeah, he didn't need to, he doesn't need the cash right now. He doesn't want the tax burden. And so we just use that money to buy other properties. Wow. So I've never heard of it being used in that way where he still owned it. <laughs> no, he, nope. It was, not or you still financed it. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. so it's just money that's sitting in the bank every time that we need it. So let me make sure I get this right. So you sell a finance it, you're just, pay, you're paying him all the time and then you use the equity in it over and over. Right. Wow. I never thought about it like that because being that he owns a home straight out, he, yep. he sell a finances it to you and here you have 150 grand of or more equity to just keep you reusing. Right. I'm smiling because I'm like, all right, <laughs> this is... This is something that you're, you're talking uh, can, about something that I can, I can tell you some other examples that you would be like, what? <laughs> so maybe I can give you some suggestions of some people to have on your podcast about that. And one would be de definitely be my partner, Jeff, because he has the creative genius mind behind all of that. But that's interesting. We stay in the book. middle of, we stay in the middle of deals and just get cash flow from that every month. So that's Outside of me doing different. mobile homes, I think I may that I may want that to be my next thing that I do. Sure. Oh man. <laughs> Thank you for that. That was a nugget. That was a personal nugget for me and wow. all the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so uh over the years, uh, what can you say would be like some of your biggest lessons learned within the real estate business? So you're gonna have a lot of bad days. <laughs> It's going to be a roller coaster, but you have to take massive determined action. You know, if you want tomorrow to be good, you better start today. If you want next week to be great, you better start this week. If you want next month to be your best month, you better start this month. Start doing something. If you want 2021 to be your best year ever, then you should have started a couple months ago making that happen. Like, writing out what you need to do to get X amount of deals each month to maintain your livelihood. So always be working backwards. Okay, today I need to call 10 sellers so I can get one good lead so I can make an offer on that, et cetera, et cetera. So always have a plan of what you need to do each day, each week, each month, and goals written out and hold yourself accountable or find somebody to hold yourself accountable for it. And a lot of people don't have like that work ethic. You know, they, mm -hmm. they get they get frustrated with all the no's when sellers don't tell them yes right away. Yes, please buy my house at a 70 cents on dollar. You know, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that that's just like the game. It's you gotta keep on talking to people and you got to, if you don't, if you don't talk to sellers, you don't have leads. And if you don't have leads, you can't, you know, make out offers. And if you don't have offers, you don't get contracts. If you don't close on contracts, you don't get paid. <laughs> so, <Exactly. laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, this has been um, a, a good wealth of information. And the cool thing is too, the one thing I like about real estate is you're about the second or third wholesale I've talked to. Okay. But each time I talk to any, you know, each, each time I've talked to the three of y'all, I've gotten a different like piece of the of information pie. That was a, a different perspective. And that's the cool thing I like about entrepreneurship and real estate. There's so many different ways that I can be successful 
in this business. It doesn't have to be one blueprint way. No. And you don't have to apologize for what you want to do either. Like it's your journey. It's your destination. It's where you want to go. It's your life and what drives you. And again, like my why is I have a 15 year old daughter. When I lost my job seven years ago, I didn't have any savings. I was close to living in my car. (laughs) And I now have the flexibility to take her to school every single day. Well, when we were going to school, obviously, but um, I have never missed a, you know, basketball game, lacrosse game or orchestra or whatever. I've always had that flexibility. I pick her up every day from school, you know, when we were going to school, but that is what drives me and what motivates me. And I also love helping people. Um, the reason why I started Win is because I wanted to motivate and inspire women to, you know, do something and take, you know, invest in themselves, invest in each other, invest in the community and really make an impact. So that's what gets me up every day and why I do what I do. And I, also, and, and I can, I can relate. Uh, I can relate yeah. because um, being in the military, I'm uh, uh, my son is will be eight and I have about eight years of uh, deployment time, sea duty time. Yeah. And out of the 11 years I've been in the Navy, um, when I was on shore duty, I was not even in Virginia. Um, I was in California. So, uh, so having the flexibility um, and the freedom to really uh, be around my family whenever I want um, and when it counts, uh, I cherish the most, which is really one of the reasons why I really like business and real estate because it does provide you that flexibility uh like you talked about and And time uh, yes because i think you can't get your time back it's our most precious commodity you know i think so too the the time is now you know take massive determined action make something happen if you really want it to you'll you'll do whatever it takes you're why i think 2020 definitely helped us with that perspective yes um of what to appreciate what to cherish Yeah. And, and, and to adapt. Yep. Yes. There was one saying, I want to look it up because it was one saying that I saw in your bio. Okay. Really oh, liked. how you do everything is how you do, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yes. Yes. So I, I, I like that. <laughs> I, I definitely like that. Uh, yeah. We have something similar, like how you train is how you fight in the military. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a big believer in striving for excellence. And I think that that saying kind of speaks towards that. Because um, I think people, we want to pick and choose what we want to uh, be good at. But I, I always say it's not a flip of a switch. Everything that you do, whether you like it or not, you have to do it with excellence. Because you're not going to sit here and tell me the way you fold this napkin because you don't like it. You can do a crappy job and then you're going to turn around and make me a great burger. I, I, I agree. It's my pet peeve when, when people like have typos in in something or whatever I'm like gosh it takes one second to hit Grammarly (laughs) and you know have your grammar (laughs) checked or whatever and I'm not perfect by any means and I just try to do the best I can every day but I do believe that how you do anything is how you do everything it's it's one of the mottos that I live by it was actually I had actually chosen to make that the title of this episode um I thought that that same really uh, stood out to me. My, my, my motto, I like to use a lot is the why that makes me cry. Like, why am I doing it? Right. Uh, I like to use that. Um, that got introduced to me right before I joined the military, actually. Um, a guy that was, he started trying to sell me his cell phone, uh, a cell phone for AT&T, but then we ended up having a conversation. And, uh, I think a lot of it's mind over matter. And I think you've shown the audience, a, a lot of it is, Hey, I'm, I'm an able body. We all have able bodies, but we let our mind get in the way right. of actually taking action. Um, we overthink like the, it. Yeah. We overthink it. We like, oh, we have to have the perfect desk. We have to have the perfect computer. Oh, I got to get my business card right. Oh, I got to have my website up. You know what? I didn't have any of that. I had a cardboard table when I started and I had me down computer. I didn't have business cards. I didn't even know what a mortgage seller financing, any of that was, but I just knew that if I tried and learned that I could make something happen. And I think you are, you know, in this podcast, uh, definitely inspirational for one, 
uh, like I said, you're the first person I'm talking to that just leaped into it and <laughs> ended up com- coming out, you know, unscathed. And maybe, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, a few scars. And uh, also, uh, you know, actually, yeah, uh, also very few uh, females being uh, being interviewed about it as well. Um, I've had a couple. Uh, one was uh, with her husband and the other one was by herself. But more and more, um, as I'm talking to you, I, I think this does need to be uh, out more often. And uh, I think uh, th- just from hearing the podcast, they'll hear a lady's voice. But when I post it on YouTube, they'll actually get to see your face. Uh. Well, and I just want you, you to know also is, you know, I started this in my late 40s. So it's never too late. Yes. You know? I, I listen to Fearless Soul in the morning and I meditate in the evenings before I go to bed. And somebody said, you know, maybe you had to go through 10 relationships to find your perfect one. So what? You found your perfect one. You know, there's no time frame to this life. So. Yeah, because I think people do feel that they beat themselves up for like, oh, I'm, behind. I'm not in my prime anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. I have 10 years until I'm supposed to retire. I'm right. going to uh, make sure I catch up on lost time. My 401k right. is like only got 10 grand in it. Yep. But you can scale pretty quickly if you if you keep on. Uh, the beauty in it is uh, what you put in is what you're going to get out. Correct. The harder no, I work, the less no you <laughs> Yeah, there's really no cap to it. Like in the military, I'm 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 capped to what my pay grade is. And that's right. right. So I could work my behind off, but I still have to wait until. They say, hey, I could be the next uh, pay grade. But cool thing about real estate or just business in general is I can, I am, I say what I'm worth based off what the work I put in. That's right. That's correct. And so it's, it's, a, it's a weird feeling because like as I'm working on the podcast, as I'm working on the website, I'm like, wow, I'm completely in control of how much revenue I'm going to uh, receive based off the work I put in. And just as you, I'm pretty sure you could relate because you are a hard worker. Hey, I don't mind putting in the work, you know? Yeah. Especially if you have no, I have no limit, you know, I just, time is, I guess is my only limit, you know? Right. <laughs> so this was great talking to you, Rebecca. I really do appreciate um, you sharing the nugget. Nugget of the whole month yeah. for me. Learn was, creative uh, financing people. It will, you yes. will be able to help so many people if we come into like a market correction, learn creative financing. I'm not kidding. It will change your life. I'm going to look, that, look into that because um, I knew about seller financing. I just didn't know the different ways you could use it to There's make so sure many ways. Can. Yeah. So that's pretty dope. And, <laughs> um, and so thank you for that. Thank you for that nugget. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think especially going into next year, because a lot of, th- a lot of, for a lot of people, right. It's, uh, capital. I don't have a hundred grand just sitting. I don't, most, most people don't I have, don't have anything. <laughs> and so when you, you can, get creative you financing, there goes the money. Yes. So awesome, Rebecca. I do appreciate awesome. this. And You're so welcome, say, Anthony. I really appreciate you guys. And I'm honored to be on this. And if I can ever help you guys with anything, please reach out to me. 